Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Praise God. Go with me over to Matthew chapter 9. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures, kind of set the uh, stage here. And... Uh, I'll give you a second to get there, Matthew chapter 9. I'm going to try my best to stick with my notes this morning because uh, we're limited on time. And if you know me, I can, time can get away from me sometimes. And I am my father's son. And uh, it has been known to happen a few times. So I'm going to try my best to, to get out all this on my heart um, this week or today. And actually, I knew they were going out of town. And Monday, I was at the gym. And when I'm at the gym, you know, I'm usually listening to various things and have different sermons or different ministers going, and they say that's not the most effective thing to do when you're working out, that it actually hinders your, pro- your productivity, but I like it better than just listen to some ungodly music like my wife likes to do, and um, <laughs> just kidding. She doesn't. She doesn't. Anyway, uh, yeah, she, no, she doesn't. So, uh, so I like to listen to things that will, you know, edify me spiritually while I'm being edified. How I many Paul said, you know, bodily exercise profiteth a little, you know, but godliness is... I'm trying to get some godliness in me while I'm trying to take the attention away from my ears. But anyway, um, so I came across this particular uh, minister and spoke on this particular subject. And man, it just, you ever had something, you hear something that just goes off on the inside of you, almost like a, a beacon is, is just, and you can't, you can't even think about anything else at that point. And, and so this was one of those uh, um, type subjects when I heard him. And I'll, I'll, I'll repeat many things that this minister said. And, well, who was it? Well, it's me. And uh, I'm just kidding. I, I, I'll repeat many things that they said it was so good, but then have other things uh, uh, that the Lord has talked about this week. But it's an important subject and, and something that's vital for us. How I many know we want to be successful in our Christian walk? Amen? That should be everybody. You want to be successful? Yeah, do we want to walk well-pleasing to the Lord, abounding in fruit in every area of our life? Amen. That's what we want. And uh, so this subject is key to that. And so we'll just kind of set the stage here in Matthew chapter 9, in the 35th verse. It says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Now let's just stop for a second. Imagine this. Jesus goes into Capernaum. And this is now his, uh, his home base of operations. He's Jesus of Nazareth, but he had moved to uh, Capernaum. And so he's there and he's teaching. These people knew him. And uh, he's ministering. And notice it says that he healed every sickness and every disease among the people. It didn't say he healed. Many times in the Bible it says he healed every manner of sickness and every manner of disease, meaning every type of sickness, every type that he healed them. But here it says he healed every sickness in every disease. That means there wasn't a single sick person left. Whether it be from a cold to cancer, there was not a single one left in the whole. That is amazing. How I many of we still serve the same Jesus? Amen. And, uh, but it says he went into his, his ministry base of operations at Capernaum and healed every manner of sickness and every manner of disease. Now go over to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew, the 13th chapter. I got 45 minutes. I'm going to try to get this done. Matthew chapter 13. In verse 53, it says, Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables, Matthew chapter 13, verse 53, that he departed from there. So he came to his own country, and he taught them in the synagogue, and they were astonished. And he, he was 
we read in, in the, the previous uh, verses that he was in Capernaum, his base of operations at this point. And now he's going back to Nazareth, his hometown. Let me just say this. Nazareth was, was, Nazareth was a town of about 400 people, very small town. You think High Springs is small. 400 is very small. And, and in those days, you know, people didn't get around a lot. Everybody knew everybody. And uh, everybody knew who Jesus was, but Jesus knew who, who everybody else was, too. Sometimes we read this, and, and I think, you know, we, little, little things like this help us to see Jesus was well aware of who these, these are people that he grew up with. These are his neighbors, the people that he worked with when he was working in his dad's carpentry business. These are people he had intimate relationships with and knew very well. So he comes to his hometown, and so verse 54, and he come to his home country, taught them in the synagogue, and they were astonished and said, now sometimes astonished is good, but here it's not good, Right? And he said, where did this man, now in my Bible, that word man is italicized. So they said man, but how many know you can tell there, there was a little bit of a tone to who is this, who is, who did, who is this guy? Have you ever given that to you before? Who do you think you are, right? And the bobblehead, and that's what they were doing. So who does this man, or where does this man get this wisdom in these mighty works? So they realized he had wisdom, and, and they acknowledged that what he was doing was amazing. He had mighty works. His reputation now was preceding him. Is, is this not the carpenter's son? Is this not Mary, uh, uh, his mother called Mary, and not and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Are his sisters, are they not with us? Where did this man get all these things? Verse 57, so they were offended at him. Now, the topic I'm going to talk about today is, is not offense, but, you know, uh, offenses, we, we, it gets talked about from time to time around here. Offense is something that, that we always have got to stay on the guard against. You know, I mean, the devil's not run out of tricks. He's not run, he doesn't have any new schemes or plans, but the things he does, they're effective if we're not careful. And so we need to be on our guard. And it says the original, they were offended at him, but their offense led to something else. He said, uh, so they were offended at him, but Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. In verse 58, now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. When you look at this passage, uh, this account in, Mark, uh, in Mark's gospel, it says that he could not, he could not, he could do no mighty works there. He was limited. And like I said, offense is something that, that uh, uh, they were offended and it caused them to uh, be in a place where they didn't honor him. And because of that, he was unable to do many mighty works. He was able to heal a few sickly, but he wasn't able to do all that he could. Remember, he just came out of Capernaum where he healed every sickness and every disease, not every manner, but every single sick person. So you could say this, I know this is earlier on in Jesus's ministry, but at this point, Jesus was operating. He was, he was functioning. All cylinders were firing. He wasn't in, in still kind of getting it figured out stage. The man, Jesus Christ, went into his home base of operations, and Capernaum was a bigger town. He went in, and every single sick person there, no matter what it was, they were healed. Jesus was operating at a, at a pretty, his 100% is a great success rate, right? 100%. So he showed up. He had all the, all, everything he needed to, to do the same thing there. He could, and, and in fact, this was his hometown. Like I said, he grew up with these people. He knew these people. Do you think he was, his heart was, was more inclined to do this in Nazareth, maybe even more so than it was in Capernaum? Do you think he, his, heart, his heart for these people was even a little more dear 
in Nazareth than it was in Capernaum. Yeah, this, this were, these were his friends. These were the guys he played kickball with on Saturdays. These are the guys that, that he made furniture for. These are the ones that he went to school with. These are the ones that he saw on a regular basis. These are the people that all of these memories, we, sometimes we forget his humanity. He had memories of his childhood and things that were dear to him and, and people that he loved and, and, and especially close to him. Right? I mean, Amy and I, we like to go to New York, and, and I love New York City, but when I walk around, I, I, you know, I, I view New York City. We don't go there very often because every time we do, we come back with a kid. Uh, so, <laughs> Lord, Jesus, keep us away from New York City. But anyway, uh, you know, uh, well, that's been fixed. But anyway, uh, and no, I don't believe in miracles in that area. Let me tell you, okay. Ain't no creative miracles here, praise God. But anyway, uh, we go to New York, right? I mean, you know, these people, there's lots of people there. But how I many know, I want to see God move in New York. I'm, I'm grateful for what people are doing in New York City. There's many great churches there. How I many know it's not the same as my hometown, right? It's not the same as my hometown because I walk around the streets there. I don't know people. But when I walk around here, you can't even go to Winn-Dixie without running into half the town, like half the people you grew up with, right? I mean, and, and, and so, yeah, he wanted to do something, but it said, but he said, a prophet is without honor except in his hometown. And so this issue of honor is something that, like I said, when I was this, this week on Monday as I was working out, this message I heard, I'm like, oh, oh, you ever have something like said It just like stabbed me to the heart, like, oh. Folks, we want to have, we want to be put, we want to live in a place and have our lives in a position where, God is able to do not just a few things, but do mighty things. Or his hand and his, his ability, and he can, he can express his will. He's wanting to do so much in our lives. There's not one area of our life that he's not interested in moving in and, and showing himself strong. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, seeing whose hearts are loyal, so he can show himself strong on their behalf. God is actively looking for opportunities to do something, so it's not on God's end, as far as a lack of will. Oftentimes we fail to receive from him what we need because things are on our end. In fact, the truth is it's always on our end. It's always on our end. I know we live in a culture today where saying stuff like that offends people. Well, you know, remember offense leads to, to, to missing out, right? The truth is the truth. When, there's, when, there, when somebody falls short, when something doesn't happen the way it should, the way God wants it to, the way God's word promises it, it's not on God's end. It's always on our end. And so it's so important that we're looking at these things and, and this subject to honor is, is such a thing. And really amongst churches, it's been something that at times has been abused and, and talked about in a way that it shouldn't been. And you know, anytime there's a truth there, it's easy to get off on the ditch on one side or the other. It's easy to get off on, uh, get in a ditch on one side or the other, but the subject of honor is vital for us. And really we live in a culture today where honor is, is becoming less and less prevalent. You know, I, I, I'm, I, it seems like every day, you know, I'm cutting off more and more social media. Why? Because there's so much junk on it. It's, there's just so much junk out there. And, well, you sound like an old guy. Well, maybe I'm getting smarter as I get older. But, I mean, there's so much garbage out there. So many people being uh, uh, rude and disrespectful to one another. And it's a culture, really, you, you could say the person I listened to was calling it a spirit of, of dishonor. And I don't know that there's specifically a spirit, quote, unquote, of dishonor. But there is a spirit of antichrist that's at work in the earth today. And one of the, one of the things that he goes to is this heart or this, this, this thing, a motivation of dishonor. And it's prevalent in our society. It's, it's something that, that is everywhere you turn. And if we're not careful, this, 
this heart, this attitude. And I, I'll, be, I'll be honest, I'll just tell you right now, I, when I listen to this and, and this week's studying, I mean, I, I had to repent of some things. We ought to always stay open when the Lord deals with us and be quick to respond. Why? Because we want him to be able to do mighty things in our lives. We want him to be able to do mighty things through us. Amen. We want to make sure that we serve our generation well. I love that statement about David. He served his generation. We need to make sure that we're in a position to serve our generation well, not just be here and go, but, but actually do what God's called us to do. And this, this issue of honor and dishonor is a major thing. And, and there's, like I said, there's a, this custom in the world we've got to be against. The Bible in Romans 12 said not to be conformed to this world, not to copy the image and the ideal of this world, and the, thing, the pattern of this age. There is a pattern, and one of the marking patterns of this age is a pattern, a heart, a spirit, however you want to word it, 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 it is an influence of dishonor. I'll say this, dishonor brings division. Dishonor brings division. It, it divides us from one another. It also divides us from the plan of God. But honor, honor, honor helps us to, to it heals. Honor brings peace. Honor ushers in the, the presence of God. Honor brings in the ability of God. And so we need to make sure we stand against those things and we're resisting the spirit of this age. Go with me over to, um, uh, well, I'll just say this. What is honor? We'll just, just look at it here real quick. What is honor? I know a lot of times people saying you're honor the judge, you know, but honor is, is more than just that. It's, it's, there, it's a quality. It's an action. Honor is giving of high respect, holding in high esteem. It's, it's to confer a mark of distinction. To confer a, a mark of distinction means to think differently about a person. How many know that, that all of these areas are, of our life, we're in charge of these things? To think differently about a person, to refer to that person differently, to listen to people differently, to talk to people differently, to talk about people differently. Honor is holding in higher esteem. It's, it's, it's a mark of distinction, to confer a mark of distinction. Honor is treating reacting, responding, speaking of and about others as we would Jesus. That's godly honor. How would we speak? How would we refer? How would we look at? How would we respond to our master? That is the gold standard of honor. And really, we've been called, the Bible says we've been called to be imitators of God. We've been call, called to imitate him. And, to, and we should be striving to, to live the way he did and operate the way he did and go after that gold standard. Honor is such an important thing. It's so, it's so important in our lives. Who we honor, we are open to receive from. What you dishonor, you shut off from what they have to offer. In this story, they shut off the king of kings, the Messiah, not just a prophet, not even the leading prophet in the land. They shut off their master. They shut off their redeemer. And he was not able to do many mighty things because of their, the Bible relates that to unbelief. Notice Jesus tied unbelief and honor, tied them together. How many know it's not good if we, we live in unbelief? No, we may not leave, live in unbelief. What we receive and how we receive and who we receive from is entirely up to us. Others can be getting blessed all around us, but yet one person can get nothing in the midst of, of many miracles taken forth. And a lot of times it has to do with this issue of honor and dishonor in one's heart. Right? And I'll just say this. Nobody can get the, tr the truth is this. Nobody can get you into a place of dishonor 
How many know that every, everything, every attitude we have, every spirit that we lay hold of, if you're born again, you're, you're, you're one with Christ. You've been united with him. And if a spirit of dishonor or an attitude of this age is getting a hold of you, the spirit of Antichrist in this area is raising his stinking, ugly head in your life, it's because you allowed it. Well, you don't know what they, it doesn't matter what other people do. Honor, honor is not earned. Honor, honor is not earned. Honor is, honor is given. Despite, we'll look at some things here in a minute. It doesn't matter what anybody does. Honor is not something they have to earn. Honor is, honor is, is given based upon the position somebody has and the gift that's in them. And that is conferred from God. That is no business of ours. It's the truth. So nobody can get you into dishonor, but the truth is nobody can get you out of that place either. It's possible to live our lives. I got to hurry. I got so much stuff. It's possible to live our lives. And, and that's why I got to stick. I should just read my notes. Just read them straight through and then not very. That's why it's so important. What we do in our life. Only you can get you out of this. It's possible to sit in the most, in Jesus's ministry himself. And him be limited. Only you can get you out of that. Only you can get you out of that. Matthew chapter 10, I'm reading the basic uh, Bible in basic English, says, he who receives or he who gives honor to a prophet in the name of a prophet will be given a prophet's reward. This is not about people. It's about the positions and the places people, God puts people into, what God has placed in their life. And it's got nothing to do with how, what they're doing. It has everything to do with the position God puts them in. And if you honor them, in the name of a prophet, you'll be given a prophet's reward, the benefit that that prophet's office brings to you. It's such an important thing. We have to maintain a culture of honor in our church, maintain a culture of honor in our lives, maintain a culture of honor in everything we do. We may not agree with everything people do, may not agree with everything people say, but we can, we can spit out what is a, spit out, eat the whatever, hay and spit out the sticks. You know, we, we can do that, can't we? Don't we want people to do that with us where we are, where we're concerned? Not judge us because there's a few sticks in our life and not want the hay, right? We, we, we want this as well. Well, this is something we must do as well for others. Go with me over to uh, Numbers chapter 12. I don't know how there's any way I can be able to finish this. And Numbers the 12th chapter. The subject of honor God takes this very seriously. In Numbers, the 12th chapter, verses, we'll just start in verse 1. It says, Then Miriam and Aaron uh, spoke against Moses. Now, these were, backstory here, these were siblings. Pretty amazing. One family, you had the, the leader, the, the, the prophet. You had the first praise and worship leader. <laughs> you had the, the first high priest. There was something good was going on in this family. But notice even in this family where things have been sown right, things have been done right, obviously, that this, this issue of dishonor arose. So then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman he, whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. We'll just stop right there. Miriam and Aaron, on one hand, you could say they had reason to complain. They had, they had reason to speak out and to, remember, honor is how we refer to somebody, what we say about somebody. 
And, and they had reason to say some things about Moses because Moses had violated the law that he had just given them. They were told, you know, not to, to marry inhabitants of other lands and not do that, have no part with them. And what, is, what does Aaron or, or Moses do? He goes out and he marries an Ethiopian woman. Think about this. He, he violated something he had just told them, don't you do, but I'm going to do it. Does that get into anybody's skin? Or is that just me? Right? But let's be honest, we've probably all done it before. But they spoke out against, against Aaron or against Moses. And, and uh, you know, as a side thought, I'll just say, you know, she was a different skin color. How many know that, that these things, the enemy's always trying to bring division amongst us. In our nation right now, skin, color, race, gender, all 52 according to Facebook, right? <laughs> no, there's only two. Uh, in case you didn't know that. Uh, between gender, all the stuff, the enemy's trying to bring division. He's trying to bring a lack of honor for one another. The truth is there is no, no, there is no black or white. There's no black or white anymore. There's no Jew or, or Greek. There's no, there's no slave or free. None of these things matter. There's, either, there's only those in the family of God and those outside the family of God. That's the only distinction that God sees and it's the only distinction we're allowed to see. If you have a problem in that area, get your heart right. Well, I don't know that I like that tone. You think you don't like that tone? You don't want to hear God's tone on it. You think I'm playing? God does not take that stuff serious. It does not take that stuff lightly. And this culture this day is trying to divide us. Why? Because a house divided against itself cannot stand. As a nation, a house divided itself cannot stand. In a church, a house divided against itself cannot stand. In a family, a house divided against itself cannot stand. No matter what, the, whatever the relationship is, when division comes in, there comes instability. And the enemy knows what he's doing. We also have got to know what he's doing. And so in multiple reasons, they were wrong. In multiple reasons, yeah, uh, you know, they were wrong for even what they did. But they spoke against him because he'd married this Ethiopian woman. So they said, verse 2, that uh, was, uh, 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 so they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not also spoken through us? And the Lord heard it. You ever said something and somebody heard it? Somebody that you weren't talking to heard it? Well, I think they just thought, I just don't like, and then suddenly realize they're standing right around the corner. Oh, I love what they did. It was just so great. Bless you, sister, right? Have you ever been there before? They're talking against Moses, saying these things. And, and now notice, Moses, Moses had actually done wrong in this situation. Moses had messed up. But it says the Lord heard it. God is listening. It's not just Santa that's listening. <laughs> God is also listening, right? He takes these things personally. Verse 3, now the man Moses was very humble, more than all men. Maybe Moses was in the position he was in because he was humble. What does it mean? He didn't, he didn't think more highly of himself than he ought. He realized his own humanity and the humanity of others. He said he was more humble, more than all men who are on the face of the earth. Suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, come out, you three, to the tabernacle of meeting. You've been called into the office they got called into the office, so to speak. These were the leaders of what was happening. He got called in. That's not a call you want to get, right? He heard it, and he said, let's meet. Come on, y'all. Let's have a little chat about this. 
Sorry, I had to snooze my, have, a, have alarms on my watch to let me, remind me to look at the clock, but it's not going to help this morning. But anyway, uh, so the three came out. Then the Lord came down in the pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tab- tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. And they, and they both went forward. He said, hear now my words. I've heard your words. Now you're going to listen to what I've got to say. This is not looking well. This is trending in the wrong direction for them, right? I mean, their tweet categories are going down right now. I mean, their followers are diminishing. He said, hear now my voice. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly and not in dark sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord. He's like, who do you think you are? Prophets get this or that. I talked to Moses face to face. He was correcting their opinions. He was, what was he addressing? He was addressing their dishonor towards Moses. Well, it's family. It's okay. It's not okay. What's somebody I grew up with? It's not okay. It's the truth. It's not okay. It's my brother. It's my sister. It's not okay. It's not okay. He said, why were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? So the anger of the Lord was aroused against them, and he departed. When the cloud departed from above the tabernacle, suddenly Miriam became leprous as white as snow. She didn't, they didn't like him marrying a woman from another tribe who looked different. Guess what? She became white as snow. God's like, I'll show you, right? She became leprous. Then Aaron turned towards Miriam, and she was a leper. And so Aaron said to Moses, oh, my Lord. Now, now he's like, oh, 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 high and anointed one, right? Suddenly his tone is changing. Please, not, please do not lay this sin on us. Notice, please lay, don't lay this sin on us. Where, who laid the sin on them? They did. They still don't get it. Please don't lay this sin on us. In which we have, she, he did say, in which we have done foolishly. Come on, if you miss it, own it. And in which we have sinned. Please do not let her be as one dead whose flesh is half consumed when he comes out of his mother's womb. So Moses cried out to the Lord saying, please heal her, O God, I pray. Then the Lord said to Moses, if your father had but spit in her face, would she not have been shamed seven days? Let her be shut out of the camp for seven days, and afterwards she may be received again. Then it goes on to say, so Miriam was shut out of the camp for seven days, and the people did not journey until Miriam was brought in again. It's interesting that the Lord put leprosy on her. Leprosy in that day carried a mark of distinction itself. It was very contagious. It was something when you had leprosy, you were shunned. What's the, what, what's the point of this? What was the Lord trying to get across? This behavior, this attitude, this heart of dishonor is something that we should shun and run away from. And we should, and if somebody is caught in the middle of it, yes, we love people at the same point, we need to distance ourselves to make sure we also don't become infected with it. God takes these things very seriously, not to be around it until the person makes the adjustment. The God's grace is always there to make that adjustment, but, but we should treat, we shouldn't, we shouldn't have pet sins. Said so we shouldn't have pet sins. You know, some things we have pet sins, we, oh, it's, well, that's bad, but that's really bad. Right? There are some things we think are bad and other things that it's in our estimation. Well, how does God see it? God saw this, God took it very personally. The gifts, the calls, the anointings of God that, that are on people, but more importantly, they're on, they're on imperfect people. 
Moses was not the most qualified. He couldn't speak well. He knew it. But Aaron was more qualified to be the mouthpiece. He definitely wasn't perfect. He murdered somebody. I mean, Moses had other issues other than marrying the wrong skin color. He was an imperfect person. I'll just say this. People can begin to lose their passion for God when they, don't, when they, when they take on a position of dishonor. You can't be 100% in love with Jesus and operating in a heart of dishonor. I said you can't be 100% in love with Jesus when you're, when you're operating in a spirit or a heart of dishonor. It's kind of serious, Pastor Craig. I wanted something a little more uplifting. This, hey, for some of us, this may very well be the, the key to our answer. If you've been struggling and things just haven't, don't seem like they've been working for you, well, something, take a step back. It's not on God's end. It's got to be on our end. It's serious, but it's also liberating. It's liberating to know the truth. You'll know the truth, and the truth put into action will set you free. Right? But you've got to be willing to, you've got you to recognize what's true and what's not. We need to be 100% in love with Jesus all times, no matter what the situation is. A heart of dishonor keeps that from happening. Bitterness, offense. It's not possible to be in these places and yet still be all in for Jesus. It's just not possible. Like I said before, only you can get back in that position. Only you can get back in that position. Philippians chapter 4, verse 27. I'm just going to read it to you because we're running short on time. It says, it says, nor give place to the devil. Ephesians 4, 27, you can write it down. Nor give place to the devil. There's a note there that that phrase, give place, actually means opportunity. Don't give opportunity to the devil. What is the devil looking to do? Steal, kill, and destroy, right? What, what, is his, what does he do on a daily basis? He roams about as a roaring lion, seeking whom, whom he may take out to lunch. His lunch, right? <laughs> Who he, he, he may devour. We need to be on guard for these things. Go over to Genesis chapter 9, Genesis the ninth chapter. In the 20th verse, it says, so, this is funny. So Noah became a farmer, Genesis 9, verse 20, Noah became a farmer and planted a vineyard. Then he drank the wine and was drunk and became uncovered in the tent. This minister I was listening to, he said, you know, if you spent 40 days locked up with a bunch of animals and your family, you'd probably go out and get drunk too. <laughs> I pray for, I, I just, I, I admire old Noah. I'm sure that was a, we think how cool that was. I, I bet day 39, Noah was, okay, if we don't find land soon, we're, we're going we're gonna to do something. I mean, Noah, I'm sure, was getting a little antsy. I would have been a little antsy, right? Went out and got drunk. Trying to see here if I want to. I'll just say this. We see this about Noah. Everybody has some flesh that gets uncovered from time to time. We all have flesh, don't we? What is that referring to? That mean, that, that re, that's referring to untrained, undisciplined, unaddressed uh, uh, issues in our lives where we miss it. We all have some areas of uncovered flesh. 
It's interesting, you know, several years ago when Amy and I were, uh, uh, when our, her family, we used to do a, an annual trip to Colorado to ski every year, and it just still breaks my heart to know that that has come to an end. Y'all pray for me, because uh, I just love that more than anything. No, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, we would go out there when our kids were little. You know, going, traveling with three little kids was tough, and so, you know, we were able to take somebody with us, and so we'd take different people, and, and we'd taken Quentin with us a couple times, and I've got some great video of Quentin skiing over people and, and just being awful on the slopes. I still love it to this day. But anyway, we, and, and other things that Quentin did that we shall not talk about in church. But anyway, uh, before we left the first time, Steve pulled Quentin aside and he said, uh, and I didn't know about this till later. He pulled, he pulled Q aside and he said, I just want to talk to you for a second. He said, before you go out there with the Andersons, I just want you to know, Pastor Greg's human. And, and, and Pastor Greg, what was he saying? Pastor Greg, may, you may see some uncovered flesh when you're out there. <laughs> you ever travel through an airport with, with three young children? Sometimes some flesh might get uncovered, right? And I didn't know this happened. And, of course, I, I'm thankful that Steve thinks so high, highly of me. But, uh, no, I'm just kidding. He was being honest. I'm grateful he said that because, you know, we had opportunities where he could have said, oh, well, I, Pastor Greg is the great man of God. Why is he acting like that right now? <laughs> the man of God should not be acting that way. <laughs> Why is he cutting everyone off? And, I mean, whatever it is. We all have some flesh. So, you know, Noah obviously, you know, saved the human race. Got himself into trouble. And it goes on to say about Ham. We find the place here in Ham... Uh, Verse 23, says, Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and his two brothers outside. But he saw the nakedness of his, bro- of his father and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it on both their shoulders and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces turned away and they did not see their father's nakedness. And I'm not talking about, you know, covering a gross sin or something. I'm talking about just our humanity, things that we, our flesh, that we all deal with. Look at somebody and say, you got some flesh. Well, that's not real loud. You're like, you got some flesh. No, you got some flesh, right? We all got some, we all got some flesh, but Ham saw it. I'm glad my name's not Ham. But anyway, Ham saw it. And he went out and he told his brothers about it. Oh, why, oh, why, Ham? What a mess he created when he did that. He went out and told everybody. His brothers, they said, you know, okay, we realize there's a problem. But they went in with a blanket, wouldn't even face him. And then verse 24 says, So Noah woke from his wine and sobered up, and he knew what his younger son had done to him. Then he said, notice this, he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants he shall be to his brethren. Verse 26, he said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge, enlarge Japheth, that he may dwell in the tents of Shem, and, and may Canaan be his servant. That's interesting. These two men, these three individuals, right, had an opportunity to, when they encountered Noah's flesh, one exposed it. Like I said, I'm not talking about gross sin. I'm talking about just our daily walking in love with one another. Where Ham exposed it and the other brothers, they covered it up. To not bring dishonor, even though he had put himself in a dishonorable position, they protected who he was. They didn't even want their eyes to see it. They still wanted to deal with it so nobody else could stumble along. But, but Ham exposed it. 
You know, Noah held the blessing of the world in his hand. This was the restarting, the reforming family of the world right here. And in those days, whom they blessed, where the blessing was conferred, it carried weight and, and privilege and anointing and power and riches, all of these things with you the rest of your life and your descendants. For their, I mean, it was an important thing. And because of this action, because of this, the, uh, the Abra, uh, or Noah rather cursed, but not Ham, he cursed Ham's descendant, his firstborn, Canaan. What? Now, I don't believe in generational curses. I don't believe in that. Some people teach that. I don't believe in it. When we're born again, you're part of a new family. And no matter what went on your generations ahead of you, there's a new bloodline that goes straight to Jesus, right? So we don't believe in that kind of stuff. But I will say this, that what we do and the actions we take and the things we do, it does carry weight on those that are coming behind us. Why does God see this so seriously? Why did, why did God have to get on top and get on top of what was happening with Moses? Why he didn't want dishonor, this, this, this lack of respect, this failure to recognize the position he was in. He didn't want that getting on, the, on, the, on, on Miriam and Aaron, the leaders there of, of this new established group, his people, the way it got on Lucifer in heaven. He didn't want it contaminating them. But also when things were restarted, he wanted to make sure with Noah here that, that, that things were done properly. He had to address it, and it affected the generations that came after him. The Canaanites were a people that grew to be a large people, but Joshua later on, they ended up destroying the Canaanites. Eventually, his people were wiped out. Because a curse was placed upon them. Like I said, I don't, like, I don't believe in generational curses. I don't believe in that. But I do say we have influence over people. The things that come out of our mouth, the things that we say, the things that, that the, where we choose to give honor, where we choose to give, to, to show dishonor, and the things we do and say, yes, they affect us. God may call us to the, to the, to the tabernacle. He may call us out for a meeting, but it may, we may say some things and do some things that get into our children and then get into those who are following behind us and cause a stumbling block for them the rest of their lives that they have to deal with. Think about this. It was just, I'm just going out just telling on my dad. Just running my mouth. It carried a weight for generations they paid for it. We can put stumbling blocks in those who are around us. A spirit of honor or dishonor, an attitude of honor, dishonor, will it elevate you and your children, your grandchildren, or a spirit of dishonor will set them up for ruin. Go over to Hebrews chapter 12. We'll, we'll, I'm not even close to being done this morning, but... Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Scripture that, that boy, this is, this, is, this is stern. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, it says, Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up, cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Bitterness, offense, leads to dishonor. He said so we have to be on top of these things because it doesn't just affect us, it, it affects many others. We should, we should be on top of these things. We should be looking to address these things in our life. I've got a whole list of things here that the, the Lord talked to me about different places and and we'll get into this some other time but we don't have time today obviously but there is this 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 attitude 
and this thing that's at work in the earth today. We need to resist this. You can try to get into churches, try to get into families, try to get in jobs and, and situations, things that God set up for your blessing, things that God set up to promote you, things that God ordained to, to prosper you and, and to really draw out of you the gifts and the callings of God on your life. But this attitude, this, this heart, this, this error in this, these things can cause us to fall short of the grace of God can cause us to fall short of the grace of God and not meet the mark and not be who God's called us to be and, and, and to not accomplish what, and really our impact, impact, right? Impact family. Our impact not be what it's supposed to be. It is such an important thing. It is such an important thing. It is such an important thing. Let us be a people of honor. And, and whenever I finish this, whenever that is, I don't, I don't know what we'll do, but... It's not just about, you know, church and leaders, but in all areas of life, the person on your left, the person on your right, let's be people of honor towards them. Let's be people of honor on the job. Let's be people of honor in the marketplace. Let's be people of honor on social media. If you can't, then get off. If your light's not shining brightly there, then turn it off. So these are important things. The enemy, enemy wants to bring division. He wants to divide us. He wants to, he wants to hinder the plan of God. And I can tell you this right now. He will not be able to stop the plan of God. But if we're not careful, we can miss our opportunity to fill our place in the plan of God. And when that happens, God will raise up another generation. He will raise up another people. What he's asked you to do, if you won't do it, if I won't do it, he'll raise up somebody else who will. The plan of God will be accomplished. It will be done. This will be settled. It will be finished. It's going to happen. Whether we're a part of that or not is entirely up to us because he's given us everything we need to do the job. Are we going to pick that up? Are we going to move in those things and, and, and work with those things and function in those places? Are we going to pick up other stuff? That the culture of this age would, would bring in and sometimes, yes, seem justified or justifiable. But if it falls short of the glory of God, if it falls short of the command of, of the Lord, no matter what it is, we gotta deal with it. We gotta deal with it. I don't know about you, but like I said, you know, for me, just, just kind of a, a just re-looking at things and, and just in every area. I mean, I wanna make sure I'm honorable in these things. I don't wanna miss out. I don't want you to miss out. God wants to do mighty things in your life. There are mighty works he wants to accomplish in you, through you, everywhere. He wants to do this. Let's let him do it. Let's do our part. He does the mighty works. We just stay in a position through which the mighty works can flow. It's not up to us to do it, thankfully. We do have to stay in that position where we don't get out of our place. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.